First, uh, I'd like to welcome those of you who have uh, been worshiping with us online, as well as uh, over in the venue. Thanks to Ben and Christina for leading worship over there in the venue band, and, and Pastor Joel for shepherding all of our venue team over there, and, and uh, just welcome to all of you. And uh, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! All right, thank you. Um, you know, January, uh, for those of us that are 49er fans, January means uh, playoffs. And uh, for those Raider fans, it means, uh, well, January. I mean, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I know that, that, that guy in the venue right now with the Raider jersey on. Keep an eye on him. He's uh, going after my car right now. Uh, you know, oftentimes I get to stand up here and share some announcements and set up the offering, but my primary pastoral role at Big Valley is a superintendent of the greatest school on the planet, Big Valley Christian School. <laughs> and it's filled with about 750 preschool through 12th graders who day in and day out are being nurtured and equipped to impact this world for Christ. And today I have the honor of kicking off a new series entitled Parables. Each week for the next several weeks, we'll be looking at a parable in the Bible together and how it might apply to us today. Today, we will be looking at the parable of the prodigal son. But before we begin reading this parable, it's important that we understand a couple of things. First, what is a parable? A parable is defined as a short story that teaches a moral or spiritual lesson. And Jesus used parables to teach those around him a spiritual lesson. There were two groups of people who were Jesus' primary audience for this parable. The tax collectors and sinners, known as the rebellious ones, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law, known as the religious ones. And today, Jesus will use this same parable to teach us a spiritual lesson. Second, as we look at the parable of the prodigal son, we need to define what the word prodigal means. The word prodigal means recklessly extravagant or having spent everything. So today it is my goal that we will grow closer to God by viewing the parable of the prodigal son from three perspectives. We will grow closer to God by viewing the parable of the prodigal son from three perspectives. Perspective number one is the view of the younger son leaving. The view of the younger son leaving. Let me begin reading from our text tonight in Luke, or this morning in Luke 15. You can follow along in your Bibles or follow along in your notes, or the text will appear on the screens as well. And as I read, and I know for many of you this is a very familiar parable. But my prayer is that it will have a fresh meaning for you today. So let me encourage you to place yourself in this story. We'll read the parable in three parts tonight. And again, perspective number one is the view of the younger son leaving. Beginning in Luke 15, 11. This is Jesus talking. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father... Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. 
Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now, if you're like me, it helps sometimes to see a story like this acted out. So we're going to watch a video that acts out this first part of the parable. Let's watch together. Do you ever get tired of your boring day-to-day life? I know I do. I should say that I did. Then I decided to do something about it. You see, conventional wisdom says that you live your life and then your parents die and they give you whatever they have left over, an inheritance. (laughs) I'm sorry, that just wasn't good enough for me. So I decided to do something about it, you know? I want my money right now. So one day, I walked right up to my dad and I said to him, Dad, I want what's coming to me right now. That's what my youngest son said to me. I want what's coming to me right now. All I could think of that moment was, I'd like to give you what's coming to you right now. I brought him into this world and I can make another one just like him. But he's my son and I love him. So I gave him his money and told him if he could have a better life on his own without me, so be it. He packed his bags, and the next thing I knew, I was out of there. Kissed this boring place goodbye. I had places to go, people to see. So the first thing I did was, my son got lost. I love him, but he's no Magellan. I heard he had to stop for directions at least four times before he even made it out of our hometown. You know what? No, not four, okay? It was three. And and one of them wasn't even my fault. I, I couldn't understand what the guy was saying. I was just like, okay, thank you. And besides that, The only reason I can't follow directions is because somebody never taught me to follow directions. Don't go there. Okay, look, the point is I got out of there and I started to live it up. I mean, I had more friends than I knew what to do with. I was eating like a king. I had the finest clothes and the ladies, (laughs) what can I say about the ladies? I can say something about the ladies. They were women, but they were not ladies. Okay, okay, you know what? Never mind. The, the thing was, life was good. Until. Until my son's money ran out around the same time a recession hit our country. There, there wasn't any work to be found. I, I mean, I tried. I really tried. But there just weren't jobs. Eventually, I found a job. It wasn't bad. It was a manager's position. <coughs> it was an associate position at the... <coughs> Okay, I was a bacon preparation assistant. Which means? I fed pigs. I hated that job. I didn't pay much. I I didn't have enough money for a place to live. There were many days I didn't even have enough money to eat. 
Sometimes I was so hungry, I would gladly have eaten the disgusting scraps I was feeding the pigs, but I couldn't. They wouldn't let me. So with hunger pains as a constant reminder of how I'd squandered everything my father had given me, I lived in agony day after day. Day after day after day, I'd watch and I'd wait for my son to come home, and my heart would ache as only a parent's heart could for his own child. But hear me on this. I never gave up on him. I never gave up on him. I knew that it would happen one day. One day it hit me. One day I realized that the lowliest of my father's workers lived better than I did. At least they had a place to live and food to eat, and I didn't have either one of those things. So I wondered, what if he never comes to his senses? What if he lets pride just get in the way? No, no. I will see him again. When the younger son asks for a share of his father's estate, it's important to understand that the only way that a child would inherit something from his father is if his father had died. In other words, the younger son request is the same as saying, Father, you are dead to me. The son's leaving is an extremely offensive and rebellious act. It is a heartless rejection of the home in which the son was born and nurtured. Can any of you recognize the younger son in yourself? Maybe some of you actually rejected your home and your parents. Maybe even left your home of origin in a similar way. Or were kicked out. Or maybe some of us can remember a time when we experienced a spiritual leaving home. When we rejected and walked away from the Lord and His Word. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you've spent your entire life until now denying that your Heavenly Father even exists. Leaving home is a denial of the spiritual reality that we belong to God with every part of our being. That God holds us safe in an eternal embrace. Leaving home is living as though we do not yet have a home and must look far and wide to find one. So why is it that so many of us leave home over and over again? We flee the Lord's hand of blessing and run to faraway places looking for love and acceptance. This is the great tragedy of many of our lives. Somehow we become deaf to the voice of God that is calling us home. Instead, we listen to many other voices. Voices that suggest that we are not going to be loved unless having earned it through determined efforts and hard work. Voices that want us to prove to ourselves and others that we are worth being loved and that keep pushing us to do everything possible to gain acceptance. Voices that deny loudly that love is a free gift. We are the prodigal son every time we search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. How often do we take the gifts that God has given us, our health, our intellectual and emotional gifts, our possessions, and we keep using them to impress people or receive affirmation and praise or to seek pleasure instead of using them for the glory of God. It's important to acknowledge that the word father brings out many different feelings. 
Some of us had an incredible father and can't imagine running out on our dad and treating him this way. Some of us had a horrible father. And maybe even we ran away from him at some point. And some of us had no father at all and are struggling with where we fit when it comes to this father-son interaction. I also want to acknowledge that some of us parents out there have experienced a child rebelling like this. The father in this story is a good father who loves his sons very much and had done the right thing by preparing an inheritance for his children. Bottom line is that good parents can have rebellious children. And some of you just needed to hear that today. Good parents can have rebellious children, and it's time to stop blaming yourself and living in guilt. The guilt that's keeping you from becoming everything that God wants you to be. Our Heavenly Father loves us so much that we are left free to leave home. We have left it, and many of us keep on leaving it. God has never pulled back His arms, never withheld His blessing, never stopped considering us His children. But the father in the parable couldn't compel his own son to stay home. He couldn't force his love on his son. He had to let go in freedom, even though he knew the pain and grief it would cause both his son and himself. It was love itself that prevented him from keeping his son home at all costs. It was love itself that allowed him to let his son find his own life, even with the risk of losing it. So where do you fit in the story so far? Maybe your entire life you've been running away from your heavenly Father, never having accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and have returned home before. Maybe many times before. But you have once again left, trying to do things your own way, acting as if God does not exist and is dead to you. Again, the goal of today is that we will grow closer to God by viewing the parable of the prodigal son from three perspectives. And perspective number one is the view of the younger son leaving and the experience of the son and the experience of the father. We grow closer to God when we identify with the son's rebellion and the father's grief. Perspective number two is the view of the younger son returning. The view of the younger son returning. Back to where our story left off in Luke 15, picking up in verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. 
Let's again go back to our video to watch this second part of our parable acted out. Again and again, these thoughts ran through my head as I began my journey back to my father's house. I knew what I would do. Um, there's no way that I would accept a handout and, and I couldn't expect him to take me back as his son. So I would ask him to hire me on as a worker. I mean, maybe he would do that, just maybe. Maybe today will be the day that my son will come home. That's what I would say every morning when I'd wake up. Maybe today will be the day that I would see him off in the distance as he makes his way back home. Home. That word means so many things. Comfort, care, security, love, home. I couldn't believe I was just a few hundred yards away from it. It was a beautiful day. I was sitting on my front porch and that's when I saw him. He stood up out of his chair. He looked in my direction. He squinted his eyes to get a better look at me. And then I began to wonder, what if he doesn't take me back? What if, what if I get to him and he just looks at me and he says, I, I told you so, I told, I told you. you so. Some of you would just roll your eyes every time I mentioned my son. But I knew he would come back. I just knew. I just knew this was a bad idea. I knew I shouldn't have done this, and so I just stopped. He just stood there. I couldn't move. I couldn't just stand there, so he jumped. My dad literally jumped off the porch. I'd never seen him do anything like that before. It was like he was this little kid who was excited about something. And then it hit me. He was excited about me. So you know what I did next? I, I ran. ran. My heart was pounding so fast, I just had to get to him. I'd never seen him run so fast. He was running at me with his arms stretched out wide as if to say, welcome home, welcome home. That's what I kept shouting to him, but I don't know if he could hear me, so I just kept shouting it over and over. All I wanted to do was just scoop him up in my arms like he was when he was like a little child and just let him know that everything was gonna be okay. And as I got closer to him, I could see tears running down his face. He was crying. Tears of joy. And you know what my son did next? <laughs> I jumped. I, I was nervous, I was excited, and so I literally jumped. And you know what my father did? Well, I fell backwards, he's a big boy. <laughs> and then, and then he hugged me. And he embraced me like only a father can. I kept saying over and over again, I am so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I don't deserve to be called your son. My son is back. Get him some clean clothes. Uh, let's give him a meal, no, a feast. For my son will no longer live as an orphan. For all my hopes have come true. I guess it was hope. Hope that made me start that journey back home. Hope that got me through all the miles. A hope that my father would take me back and somehow I could be forgiven. Forgiven. It's all forgiven and I will never bring it up ever again. There is no shame. There is no guilt. For my son was lost and now he is found. At this point in the story, the father is embracing his son who was a very poor young man. His son had left home with lots of pride and lots of money, determined to live his own life far away from his father and his community. He returns 
with nothing. His money, his health, his honor, his self-respect, his reputation, everything had been squandered. Try to imagine what the long return home was like for this young man. Maybe he had thought about returning several times, even started the trek back, but then gave up. Have you ever been there? Are you there right now? The son finally admits that he was unable to make it on his own and confesses he would get better treatment as a slave in his father's home than as an outcast in a foreign land. But he is still far from understanding the depth of his father's love. He knows that he is still the son, but tells himself he has lost the dignity to be called son. And he prepares himself to accept the status of a hired man. So he will at least survive. There is repentance, but not a repentance in the light of the immense love of a forgiving father. It is a self-serving repentance that offers the possibility of survival. Have you ever found yourself in this position with your heavenly father? We try to make it on our own. Then we realize that we can't and we acknowledge that God is the only resource left to us. We go to God and ask for forgiveness in the hope that we will be given a minimal punishment and be allowed to survive on the condition of harsh labor. God remains a harsh, judgmental God. It is this God who makes us feel guilty and worried and causes us to offer up self-serving apologies. Submission to this God does not create true inner freedom, but breeds only bitterness and resentment. One of the greatest challenges of our spiritual lives is to receive God's forgiveness. There is something in us as humans that keeps us clinging to our sins and prevents us from letting God erase our past and offer us a completely new beginning. Sometimes it seems as though we want to prove to God that our darkness is too great to overcome. While God wants to restore us to the full dignity of sonship, we keep insisting that we will settle for being a hired servant. Do we truly want to be restored to the full responsibility of the Son? Do we truly want to be so totally forgiven that a completely new way of living becomes possible? Receiving forgiveness requires a total willingness to let God be God and do all of the healing, restoring, and renewing. As long as we want to do even a part of that ourselves, we end up with partial solutions, such as becoming a hired servant. As a hired servant, we can still keep our distance, still revolt, strike, run away, or complain about our pay. As the beloved son, we have to claim our full dignity and begin preparing ourselves to become more like the father. And what about the father's experience as it relates to the son's return? As many times as I've read this parable, I still have trouble picturing this moment. The humility of the son to return and the unimaginable reaction of the father. I suspect not a day went by that he wasn't praying for his son to return, even after all his son had done. 
The father in the story saw his son while he was still a long way off, which means he had to be looking for him. And he didn't know that would be the day, so that means he was probably looking for him every single day that he had been gone. What would your reaction have been if you were the father? I think, I I feel like my stubbornness and my pride would have set in. I would have walked away, made my son sweat it out for a long period of time before I even talked to him. But the father in the parable is filled with compassion and he actually runs to his son and hugs him and kisses him. Have you ever lost your child for a period of time before? I remember a time in Disneyland with my family and my, my strong-willed son in particular. And we had a special harness for him that was supposed to be on him at all times, but it was a Mickey Mouse harness, so it didn't look like it was child abuse or anything. Uh, <laughs> And, and we were supposed to have it on him at all times so we didn't lose him. And there was a time when him and I were just having some one-on-one time. So I didn't see the need for the harness. It was just me and him. What could possibly go wrong? And somehow in a flash of time, I couldn't see him anymore. And I had lost him. He disobediently had walked away from me even though my instructions were crystal clear to stay by my side. And I was panicking that I had lost my son. And how was I going to explain this to my wife? (laughs) A few minutes later, I saw him, and he was with a Disneyland employee. And I ran to him, and I just hugged him. And I couldn't let go of him for what seemed like several minutes. Whatever frustration I had with him had been set aside because he was lost, and now he was found. And that was all that mattered. The same is true here in this story. In fact, I believe the parable of the prodigal son should be titled the parable of the prodigal father. Remember the definition of prodigal was recklessly extravagant or having spent everything. The father in the parable offered his love and grace freely and extravagantly while others may have considered it reckless and wasteful. So have you started to see yourself in the story yet? Is today the day you need to return home to your heavenly Father for the very first time by accepting Jesus into your life as personal Lord and Savior? Is today the day you need to return home to your heavenly Father even if for the 1,000th time your heavenly Father is waiting and His arms are open wide? Again, the goal of today is that we will grow closer to God by viewing the parable of the prodigal son from three perspectives. And perspective number two is the view of the younger son returning and the experience of the son and the experience of the father. We grow closer to God when we identify with the son's repentance and the father's compassion. Perspective number three is the view of the father's invitation The view of the father's invitation. In the parable of the prodigal son, the father extends an invitation to both of his sons for a return. But for both of his sons, there were obstacles in the way of returning. Like the father in the parable, our heavenly father is extending an invitation to us today. 
but maybe there are one or more obstacles in our way. Let's see if we can identify any of these invitations to overcome obstacles in our lives. Invitation number one, to overcome the obstacle of selfishness. The obstacle of selfishness. In verse 12, it said, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. You see, the younger son wants things to be done his way, in his timing, and with no authority in his life. Does your life reflect this type of selfishness? Are you willing to accept God's invitation to serve Him, to be in relationship with Him, and have the patience to accept His timing for the outcomes in your life? Invitation number two, to overcome the obstacle of pride. The obstacle of pride. Verse 14 says, After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. You see, the younger son could have returned home after he had run out of money. But his pride led him to feed pigs and look for handouts. Where would humility lead you to today? Are you willing to accept God's invitation to overcome your pride so that you can reunite, reunite with the Father immediately rather than continue to be separated. Invitation number three, to overcome the obstacle of guilt. The obstacle of guilt. Verse 19 says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. The younger son's guilt literally paralyzes him from returning to his family. What might your guilt be paralyzing you from today? Are you willing to accept God's invitation to receive His grace and His mercy in your life so that you can be free to be in relationship with Him? Invitation number four, to overcome the obstacle of fear. The obstacle of fear. Verse 20 says, While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. See, the younger son was so afraid of his father and how he would react to him when he returned. And I'm sure he was pleasantly shocked by his father's actions. Are you afraid of how your heavenly father will react if you attempt to return to him? God's inviting you to accept his love and his compassion. And invitation number five, to overcome the obstacle of self-righteousness. The obstacle of self-righteousness. To understand this invitation better, we have to read the third and final part of the parable of the prodigal son. Back to Luke 15, starting with verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has filled the, killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out 
and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The older son would have been considered the religious son, much like the Pharisees and religious leaders of the time would have been considered. He looked really great on the outside and appeared to do everything right. He was also self-righteous and enjoyed comparing himself to his brothers and others because of how much better he was than them. But when he hears that his younger brother has returned and has been reinstated by the father, he becomes furious and he refuses to go inside and be a part of the party. The elder son now becomes the lost son. And the father has to go find him and invite him in. Another amazing picture of grace and compassion as the father is willing to go after this lost son as well. But the elder son refuses. Why is the elder son so furious? Because he has nearly worked himself to death, earning what he has, while his younger brother has done nothing to earn anything and yet is lavished with wealth. The elder brother's attitude toward the father was revealed when he says, All these years I've been slaving for you. You see, the two sons in the story are much more similar than they first appear. The younger son wanted to make his own decisions and have complete control of his portion of the wealth. He did it by flagrantly defying his father and declaring his independence. The elder brother actually wanted the same thing. He was just as resentful of the father as the younger son. He too wanted the father's goods rather than the father himself. But instead of running away, the elder brother stayed close and never disobeyed. And that was his strategy for trying to control the father. The hearts of the two brothers were the same. Jesus is teaching that neither son loved the father for himself. They were both using the father for their own self-centered ends rather than loving, enjoying, and serving him for his own sake. You see, Sin is not just breaking the rules. It is putting yourself in the place of God as Savior, Lord, and Judge, just as each son sought to displace the authority of the Father in his own life. Are you more like the rebellious son or the religious son? Not sure? Well, let's do a comparison to find out. And in your notes, there's a chart there with two tables listed that describe some of the characteristics of a rebellious son and some of the characteristics of a religious son. And I'm just going to highlight a few of these. A rebellious son, he does not like to conform. A religious son, he's very quick to conform. 
A rebellious son or daughter likes to break the rules. The religious son or daughter likes to keep the rules. For the rebellious son or daughter, his sin is very visible. Everybody can see it. But for the religious son, his sin is invisible. Only on the inside is it known. The rebellious son, the rebellious son uses people. The religious son, the religious son judges people. Both the rebellious and the religious son have one thing in common. They use the father rather than loving him. At least the younger son knows he is lost and therefore he seeks return. The elder son is not even aware that he is lost. The elder brothers of this world desperately need to see themselves in the mirror. And by the way, if you're wondering where I fit in the story, I'm just like the elder brother at times. The younger brothers of this world desperately need to see elder brothers recognizing the need for healing from their condition. The attitude of the elder brother may have been one of the things that drove the younger brother away in the first place. There are many people today that have abandoned any kind of religious faith because they see clearly that the major religions are simply full of elder brothers. They have come to the conclusion that religion is one of the greatest sources of misery and strife in the world. And guess what? Jesus says through this parable, they are right. The anger and superiority of elder brothers, all growing out of insecurity, fear, and inner emptiness, can create a huge body of guilt-ridden, fear-ridden, spiritually blind people, which is one of the greatest sources of social injustice war, and violence. It is typical for people who have turned their backs on religion to believe that Christianity is no different. They have been in churches brimming with elder brother types. They say Christianity is just another religion. But Jesus says, no, that is not true. You see, everybody knows that the Christian gospel calls us away from the example of the younger brother but few realize it also condemns the example of the moralistic elder brother. So again, invitation number five is to overcome the obstacle of self-righteousness. The elder son was so judgmental and hard-hearted that he refused to accept his father's invitation to join in the celebration of the found brother. Are you willing to accept God's invitation to have your worth be defined through relationship with Him as opposed to your good deeds? Are you willing to stop dwelling on how others appear to break your personal top sins list and let God work on your judgmental heart? Is it time to start investing in your daily relationship with your Heavenly Father rather than just using Him and checking in with Him when you need something? Again, the goal of today is that we will grow closer to God by viewing the parable of the prodigal son from three perspectives. And perspective number three is the view of the Father's invitation. And in a moment, Pastor Scott is going to sing one final song called When God Ran, which is really the story of the prodigal son. And during that time, 
I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to something that the Lord has been speaking to you about today. Maybe you've been that lost child your whole life and you've never yet made the decision to surrender and become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus Christ, but you're experiencing a time of being lost and rebellious like the younger son. And today is the day to return into relationship with the Father. Maybe you realize that you've been lost and religious like the elder son, and today is the day to return into relationship with him and ask for forgiveness. Whatever it is, while this song is being sung, whether here in the main auditorium or over in the venue, I want to invite you to get out of your seat. Overcome whatever obstacles you may be feeling right now and spend some time in prayer with a pastor or elder of our church in the elder room, in the altar room directly to my left. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just love stories. And this story just, is, uh, just allows us to see so many things and, and allows us to, to place ourselves in so many places. And bottom line is it's all about the prodigal father. Your reckless love. Your unending love. Father, it just doesn't make any sense. And yet we are thankful for it. And Father, today I just pray that, that each of us found ourselves in the story somewhere. And maybe as today is that we can make a decision to return back to you. Enjoy a relationship to you with you. Maybe experience a relationship with you for the very first time. Father, thanks for your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, I understand that uh, in a moment like this, the, the very biz biggest obstacle that you may be facing is simply just getting out of your seat and asking for prayer. I, I can imagine that the prodigal son, when he... Uh, when he decided to come back, that had to be really scary to physically actually get up and make that trek. Or when the, when the elder son was, was given the opportunity to return to the party, to return to the father, the, the, the act of actually physically getting up and making that action was too much for him. And I understand for many of us today, just the thought of getting out of our seat and walking over to the altar room and having somebody pray for us, that may be the greatest obstacle of all. But I believe that, uh, uh, that if you're serious about making a decision today, that this is really going to be a blessing to you to actually make that trek and to get some encouragement and some prayer with one of our spiritual leaders. And again, maybe... Uh, Maybe you've known the Lord for a really long time, and man, you just recognize that today's a day to return. Maybe you haven't been in church in a while, and, and, and today's just the day you need some encouragement and prayer to make the commitment to be coming to church regularly. Maybe you're one of those parents that has a, a rebellious child, and you're just all torn up over it, and you'd like some prayer for that. Maybe you've never made that decision to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And maybe you're like me and you find yourself as the elder brother sometimes and, and you find yourself oftentimes judgmental. 
today's a day where you can come back to your Father. Scott, would you sing? And then I'd like you to all come, any, any of you, any of you come forward for prayer. Say my sons come home again, lifting my face. 
The goal of today was that we would grow closer to God by viewing the parable of the prodigal son from three perspectives. The view of the younger son leaving, the view of the younger son returning, and the view of the father's invitation. We serve a God who, even though we treat him sometimes as if he were dead to us, came running to us to forgive us and love us with a prodigal love, a love that seems reckless to many. We were all once lost, but now we are found. And as we close, I want to remind you, it's not too late if you want to come for prayer. And I also want to invite you, maybe you're visiting uh, outside these doors, it's something called the Welcome Center, and I'd be there, I'll be there and I'd be glad to, to meet you for the first time. Pastor Scott, would you close for us? Let's all stand together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the truth in your word. Thank you for the story we find there. And Father, just the principle of you waiting with open arms. God, thank you for when we turn from you and we fail you, you accept us back. And Lord, I just uh, am grateful for that. Father, thank you for our time here today. And we love you so much. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. amen. Have a great day.